Good morning, I'm Nathan Goobler and welcome to Subject ACT, your local current affairs show about the ACT and all things Canberra. It wasn't until I stumbled upon a podcast about brutalism that I realised that a lot of the architecture around Canberra, rather than being uninspired slabs of concrete, instead have serious amounts of intent and vision from the minds of a number of important architects. Some of the buildings in Canberra even have an international reputation. Just how aware are Canberrans of the innovative architectural styles and techniques that can be found around the city? Or that buildings like the Alloa Flats, parts of which have already been demolished, are historically significant in the story of the city's development? To answer my questions, I sat down with Martin Miles, author of CanberraHouse.com.au and enthusiast of Canberran architecture. Martin Miles, welcome to Subject ACT. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no worries. Um, so... First question uh, I should ask is how did you uh, get interest in the architecture of Canberra in the first place? Uh, it's sort of something that I don't really think about that often, but when you asked me, um, I thought, yeah, that, that's, that's interesting. Um, I was born here, I grew up here, uh, and I've I sort of had a casual interest in, um, in, in design and architecture over the years. I was aware that, that certain houses that I used to see around Canberra were different, but it didn't really register with me why. Mm. Um, fast forward to, uh, you know, the, the early 90s, I worked in a heritage area in the Commonwealth Government. Um, that sort of rekindled an interest. And specifically, um, and this, this is interesting, Triple uh, Six Canberra, used to have an afternoon show with Rod Quinn and he'd go around with the architect Rick Butt and they'd look at houses and buildings mm. and Rick would, uh, you know, describe them and, and explain them. And uh, just around Canberra, were they? Yeah, Canberra yeah. houses and buildings. And that was, I thought, this is really interesting and I, I want to find out more. Yeah. And the thing was that there was, at that point, I think there was only two books about Canberra's residential architecture and both of them were were quite rare one was published in 1970 by uh, i'm not sure what the guy's background was might have been an enthusiast like me um and uh, then around 1981 the raia put out a, a a slim volume the which came to be known as the green guide mm. so there was virtually no information there if you wanted to find out more. <clears throat> so I thought, well, that's, you know, that's an interesting, uh, potentially interesting research project for me to do. Yeah, yeah. And it also coincided with an interest I had in the web at that time where, where I was starting to um, to move into with my work. So mm. that's how it started. Because the, the website's um, quite old now. It's about over 15 years, wasn't it? Yeah, I think... I can't remember the date, but um, 2000 it went up, I think. Mm. And the website we're talking about is canberrahouse.com.au and it's a pretty comprehensive uh, overlook of certain styles uh, that um, you can find around Canberra. And uh, so one of, the, one of the interesting things that I uh, have read about in terms of um, why we have the buildings that we have here is that um, while... Um, a lot of other major cities were built, you know, in the 1800s and built from there. Canberra didn't really get that um, big building boom until around the 1950s. That's right. It, it coincided with the, the establishment of the NCDC and um, the movement of 
government to Canberra, mm. which took a long time, and and it, it only got uh, a kick along when when Menzies, as prime minister, just insisted that this this actually happen. You know, mm. enough talk, we've got to move the government departments to Canberra, mm. <clears throat> and that's one of the explaining the the different styles that we see around Canberra. Um, it all starts with that. The, the, the reason that we've got, and Can- the reason that Canberra is so unusual, uh, is that we've got Sydney regional architecture here. We've got post-war Melbourne architecture, uh, brutalism with the, some of the national institutions and larger buildings. We've got organic architecture, and we've got post-war international architecture, mm. uh, as well as pre-war, um, like interwar functionalist architecture. Mm. And there's nowhere else in Australia where where all those different regional styles are, are present. Mm. Mm. And the reason that happened is because Canberra was a developed city, and government had to move from Melbourne and Sydney. Mm. Um, the establishment of the ANU around. Uh, in the early 50s was also important because mm. academics came to Canberra from Melbourne and Sydney. So you had this influx of educated, um, you know, educated middle class coming coming to the city from, from other cities and they brought their cultural baggage with them. I mean, they, they're the sort of people who were inclined to commission an architect to design a house mm. And many of them knew architects from their hometowns, or if they didn't, they that's where they went. You know, mm. they went to their um, connections for recommendations. Yeah. Um, so as a result of that, we had all this. This is one. This is the residential side of things, but we had an influx of people from other cities, and also the architectural styles. Now, the other thing that happened was that um, when the NCDC got underway in 1957, I think, um, they, you know, to to develop Canberra, to build the public buildings, the schools, um, they had to go interstate to get large firms to do this work. Mm. There were no large Canberra architecture firms. Mm. Um, They were basically small, you know, mostly residential-based companies. Mm. So you had, you know, with schools in particular, you had um, the Melbourne company Mockridge, Stahl and Mitchell coming to Canberra and they they got a lot of work designing primary schools in Canberra. So if you go, like, the inner north, inner south... So like Ainsley or... Yeah, uh, Down was a good one. Yarralumla... Campbell, like most of these schools are post-war Melbourne-style schools okay. because a Melbourne company designed them. Hmm. Um, and, you know, uh, Leith and Bartlett, another Melbourne company, came up here and um, uh, did a lot of government housing work hmm. and then they set up an office here and, um, again, well, the, the most, uh, as far as this discussion goes, the most notable places they designed are those houses in Kent's at at the beginning of Kent Street in Hughes, which was okay. a, um, like the gateway to the new Woden Valley. Mm. Um, so what what distinguishes the post-war Melbourne style? Um, well, they were... Well, the, the other thing about Canberra is the presence of Melbourne regional architecture here is really unusual. So they were typically 
in the post-war period in Melbourne, they were, they were narrow, one-storey houses with um, low-pitched gable roofs, very horizontal, mm. um, exposed rafters, you know, walls that were well, large areas of glass with regularly spaced timber mullions. Mm. Um, now, yeah, Downer Primary School is a good example, but the houses, the the, the most well-known Melbourne regional houses would be the Fenner House and the Manning Clark House, mm. designed by Robin Boyd mm. in Forest. Um, I was reading about um, the public houses uh, as they were being developed in Canberra, and I can't think of the date off the top of my head or the, the years, maybe you'd know, but um, that um, they were pretty controversial even back then. Like a lot of people from Victoria were saying the quality of the housing is just not up to the same standard as Victoria. Yeah, um, and I think... I think. Well, would you agree with that or does it... Uh, well, I think a lot of that stemmed from the reluctance of Victorians to move to Canberra. Mm. There was real resistance... Um, to, to uh, moving to Canberra, basically. They were being uprooted from Melbourne mm. and they had to go to Canberra and they didn't want to do it no. in a lot of cases. Mm. So, yeah, there were, a lot of, there were a lot of complaints about that. I don't know if they were well-founded or not. Um, mm. You know, I don't, I don't... Well, I think the government um, definitely argued against oh, they that did. sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and they, you know, there was, a, there was, there was quite a... Like as as well as the large scale government housing that was being built. I mean, probably not all of it was that that high quality, but um, you know there were other incentives for people. Like uh, I know the, a lot of the academics at the ANU were given a free block of land mm. to come up here, mm. um, and and you know it's an interesting question. I, Perhaps there was some truth in it, but, yeah, it mainly stemmed from the fact that they just didn't want to leave Melbourne. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, another controversial um, style, uh, one that I'm particularly interested in, is uh, brutalism, and there's quite a few examples around um, town. I'm thinking of, like, the Cameron offices is probably the most famous example in Belconnen, uh, also Callum offices in Woden. Um, were, were they controversial to your mind when they were um, built in Canberra? Uh, I don't recall. I don't recall. I probably wasn't that interested then, so I wasn't. I didn't have an awareness of any um, controversy, if there was any. Yeah. But brutalism has never been a well-loved style. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in fact, it's probably the most reviled of of all the modern styles. Yeah. Um, a lot of it, you know, I do, love do, it. Yeah, I yeah, love it. Yeah, same, um, yeah. <clears throat> a lot of the criticism stems from the fact that um then the it's and this sounds crazy but one of the reasons that the buildings like the the gallery and the high court look so good is because they're cleaned um Mm. concrete stains if it's not cleaned Mm. so buildings like callum and cameron were never really um cleaned as they should be Mm. and i know that there's all sorts of other complaints about whether you know how, the interior. Yeah. Yeah. But um, that's, I think, what a lot of people associate with those sort of buildings is these massive, muscular, uh, monumental buildings that are basically dirty, stained concrete. Mm-hmm. And no, they don't look great, but, you know, it's because they're not, the, looked they're, after. Not, they're not looked after. Right. And in some cases, deliberately so, you know. 
Yeah, well, I kind of like the stain in some cases. Well, it doesn't bother me, but I think that's one of the, you know, you don't, I don't often hear, or maybe maybe it's out there, but I don't hear it. But, you know, the, the public don't seem to be, um, uh, you know, negative about the High Court and the gallery. Mm. I mean, I think they're fairly, you know, well-liked buildings. Mm. That's because they, they're, they're well looked after. Mm. Um, mm. I think, and another example, um, which is probably more subtle, the UC student residences as well. And yes, that's by the, the same architect, John Andrews. Yes, yeah. that's right. And that's prob- they're probably the only example of brutalist housing in Canberra. Mm. I mean, it's not really a residential style. Um, but, yeah, again, the, the UC resis, um, you know, they're, they're reasonably well looked after, but I suppose that they, they could, you know, could give them a bit more love. Mm. Um, I've always liked them. But um, yeah, I haven't had to live in them, so you know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I well, I remember uh, at um, UC when I was there, uh, just walking past. They always struck me as quite futuristic looking, and that's another yeah. characteristic of the like, particularly Callum offices. As oh, well. I love Callum. Yeah. yeah, and I think I worry about that because oh yeah, I mean that was part of a a, a grand plan to build. Like that was an example of Andrews's additive architecture where it would be added like modules would be added to Callum mm. and it would uh, flow up that that sort of valley up through Woden. of mm. course it never happened so there's one building sitting by itself um, mm. which wasn't the intention mm. um, and uh, you know it was Woden's redevelopment on the cards mm. um, you know I, I I worry about the future of Callum offices, even though it's heritage listed. Oh, it um, is, yeah. Yeah. That's no guarantee. Yeah. yeah. Uh, another style um, that I was interested in is the organic style, and that was uh, exemplified in the Cinema Centre and Dixon Library, for instance. Yes, both um, Enrico Taglietti buildings. Yeah, right. Um, and organic, yes. That Well, that was another sort of parallel development after the second world war which um as opposed to the like sleek cubiform international style office buildings um this was um the other sort of strand which was you know it it emphasized natural materials Mm. um an affinity with nature it was sort of called the romantic school um and organic architecture is well here it's usually uh, residential, but Taglietti is is pro- probably the only organic architect to get commissions beyond the residential in Canberra. So I mm. mean, his other other examples of his work are the Girilang Primary School, um, which is a really important building, mm. um, the War Memorials Store out at Mitchell, where they keep their big objects, mm. you know, the planes and so on. Mm. Um, that's a, a you know, pretty spectacular and typical Taglietti building. I was wondering about the um, relation to nature because uh, I walked past Dixon Library the other day. It's quite subtle, but it's like there's this space um, where there's like um, bushes or uh, growth just um, between, like it's not inside the building, but it's not outside the building either. Is that kind of how that sort of yeah, relationship a, was expressed? Yeah, a really, yeah, a really close relationship with the outdoors. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, um, I guess, kind of expresses a lot of people, like a lot of people enjoy um, how Canberra is quite, um, you know, tight, like tied in with uh, the natural surrounds. 
That's right, and it was and the the I mean the other thing that's sort of related to the organic style is the Sydney School, um, whose sort of practitioners started off with sloping bushland sites around Sydney Harbour in the in the early nineteen sixties. Mm. Well, we don't have the harbour here, but we've got a lot of sloping bushland sites, mm. and Sydney School architecture is really widespread across Canberra and. And pretty popular, I think, because um, a lot of the project home builders in the 60s and, and 70s picked up on that style. So, you know, if you, if you go around suburbs like Aranda, um, well, the, the back of most suburbs that, that that are near Canberra Nature Park land, Sydney school houses everywhere. Mm. Um, and I and I love I love that style. Mm. Yeah. You're listening to Subject ACT on 2XX 98.3 FM. Those who frequent the Civic Centre would have seen the recent demolition of the Koorong Flats and parts of the Alloa Flats to make way for new developments. While for some this is long overdue progress, for others these flats and other housing groups along Northbourne Avenue tell the story of public housing's role in populating the city, both with people and with interesting architectural designs. Stay tuned as I continue my conversation with Martin Miles of CanberraHouse.com.au. One of the reasons I brought you in here, Martin, was um, that there's been a lot of uh, talk about new developments around the city, and uh, I don't know if you walked past it just before, but um, they're already um, taking down parts of the Alloa Flats, and they've already taken down Koorong. So I was just wondering uh, if first you could talk about um, the significance of those buildings, because from what I understand, they were quite like a almost like a first step in the development of the civic area. They, yes, they were important. They were, they were, in their day, considered to be really high-quality, um, well, medium to high-density housing for public servants. They were good quality. Um, and, uh, and it was the first... Yeah, you're right, it was one of the first um, sort of modern developments after the war here. Um, and you know it's another example of how over the years that kind of public housing was um, uh, it came to be located on valuable land near the city mm. um, you know they haven't been well looked after um, typical and it's not just Canberra but other, other a lot of the experience in the UK is the same like initially I think those places had a like a caretaker on site Right, because um, this is a, a, a similar style to what was in made, being made in England. At yeah, the time, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so you know, on-site caretaker, public servants. Um, the 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 mix of occupants was good, no problem. But when it became, you know, they I can't remember when they stopped the the on-site caretaker, but you know, things went downhill from there, mm. um, and and the the occupant. Like there wasn't such a good mix of, of um, uh, you know, people in them, and you know, and the government didn't didn't really look after them. Mm. So it's a shame. I was walking past on the way in here, and I, yeah. I was eyeing off the sign. I think that would look look pretty good on uh, on my lounge room wall. Yeah. The, uh, <laughs> well, I have eye on it too. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so. Uh, and there's also uh, I saw an article that you were in that you featured in in the Canberra Times a few years ago about the Northbourne Housing Group, and that you um, you said that that was pr- 
probably the only example of Bauerhaus um, principles applied to public housing. Yeah, I mean, that's a really important building, Sydney Anchor, um, who was a really important figure in post-war Australian architecture. Mm. Um, it was designed, you know, in, in a in a period where there was great optimism and it was it was it was uh like to showcase i guess the egalitarian nature of canberra as you mm. drove down the avenue um as you entered canberra you know it was it was it was really good and um mm. again um over the years it's it's uh it was you know and those buildings had a lot of problems, but none of those problems were insurmountable if we, mm. if we wanted to address them. Yeah. Um, but it never happened. Yeah, because they're yeah, in a pretty um, poor state at the moment, aren't they? Yes, that's right. They had no maintenance um, over many years, I think, or minimal maintenance. Um, but it's it. I mean... Yeah, it's it's interesting to look at some of the ones that they're going to keep, and and I think with some imagination that we, we could do something really special with those. Mm. Um, I think there was an I don't I don't know how this how far this idea progressed, but there was an idea kicking around that the pair houses, which are in De Berg Street, could be um, taken up or one or two of them taken up by the historic houses, part of the ACT mm. government. Um, and refurbished and used as office space for them, and an interpreted space because they own. I mean, they own you know various other historic properties, mm. but they don't have anything from the mid-century. Mm. Um, I don't think the government is really interested in doing anything with those those places. So mm. that struck me as a as a great idea. But whether or not it happens, whether or not there's any interest in it, or how far that idea has been pushed. Inside um, the government, I have no idea. Mm. But um, what would you rate the level of um, just awareness of um, the uh, history of Canberra's buildings, and um, uh, that? Uh, oh, well, I well, I was just wondering if when people go to perhaps older places, like I think Bendigo, like they have quite stunning buildings there, but they're a lot older and a lot of people associate that with history, but they mightn't associate something with like Bega Flats as history. That's right. Yeah. Um, how, how would how would I rate our, our yeah, just awareness? Like generally. Yeah, it's hard because when you're interested in this stuff and you talk to other like-minded people, it's a bit of an echo chamber and you can right. you can sort of think well you know we're, what's what's wrong with everyone else why mm. don't why don't people like this stuff um i i think that over the years the awareness has, has grown i mean i'll give you a couple of examples like in the early days um there were house tours organized by the raia and the only people who went on those tours were other architects which mm. is fair enough yeah yeah pretty small group of people fairly niche sort of interest and this is going back um in the early part of this century mm. um <clears throat> but now i think um there's there's it's the same group like we've got a lot of a lot of the um national institutions you know here um there's a, a pretty big kind of population of um what would you say cultural industries mm. um practitioners 
you know that the I think the awareness is pretty good here and an example of that is the um, craft ACT run this uh, design Canberra festival which is in November um, and it's their main outreach activity and they had well, last year was really successful like tens of thousands of people visited mm. um, and they have events this year there's going to be mid-century architecture bus tours every weekend mm. um, the festival is going to be based around the Academy of Science with events and exhibitions mm. and that that's the sort of thing that kind of makes me you know snaps me out of my pessimistic right. sort of funk yeah. when it comes to this stuff because it's a really it's quite a large group of people who are really interested in this mm. now, another example is um, I don't know if you've heard of him, but the American architecture photographer Darren Bradley, okay. who uh, happens to work in Canberra occasionally, and he he gave a talk at the Academy of Science uh, a few weeks ago about Canberra's mid-century architecture, and he 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 made the point, which I thought was a really good one, that it's we actually don't understand how unique Canberra is mm, mm. I mean for all those reasons I talked about earlier but it's our point of difference like the as you said right at the start most other big cities here developed uh, in the 19th century mm. you know we really t developed in the 1950s and 60s mm. so Canberra is a very much a mid-century city mm. um, that's our point of difference mm. and if we don't recognize that um, and really look after that uh we don't really stand for anything mm. um it's like palm springs that that hasn't always been uh the sort of place that celebrated its mid-century architecture but when it started to do that it really became um quite a, a significant attraction mm. um well i know that um earlier when we talked um that uh, you were saying that uh, there's somewhat of a identity, like, I don't know, cringe to do with Canberra. Like, Canberra wants to be, like, the big cities, essentially, and that might be, like, uh, a driving factor in terms of uh, disregarding the uniqueness of Canberra's architecture. Well, I, I, yeah. I mean, I can't remember where I read it recently, but these... Um expensive advertising campaigns to draw people to Canberra usually end up not working because they're focusing on things that kind of don't make us special. Mm, mm. I mean, making trying to make Lonsdale Street like Melbourne, mm. uh, it isn't, Yeah, but that's not going to work. If you really want to be in Melbourne, you'll go there, not mm. here. That mm. um, sort of annoys me a bit, but, you know, we can, like with some imagination... We've got enough uh, sort of uniqueness about the place to capitalise on what makes us different, mm. um, and uh, and and that that design Canberra festival is a good example of that. I think, you know, that that attracts a lot of people. Mm. Um, so there is interest out there. Yeah, can you uh, just tell the listener some of the um, the details on where to find uh, your website or any other? great information out there about Canberra's architecture? Uh, well, the, you know, the website's a reasonable starting point. It's canberrahouse.com.au um, and it covers, but it's only covering houses. Uh, mm. I think there's 50 or 60 of Canberra's most interesting mid-century houses 
an explanation of the styles and, and how they developed. Um, there are, unlike the early days where there were only a couple of rare books you could access, there's more now. I'd, I'd mm. recommend picking up the book A Hundred Canberra Houses mm. by Tim Reeves and Alan Roberts. Yep. Um, the Andrew Metcalf watermark guide to Canberra's architecture is pretty good. Mm. Um, and the and if you want to get out and about and look at these places, I really suggest going to the Australian Institute of Architects ACT chapter office okay. on Mugaway in Red Hill. Mm. And they, I assume they still sell it, but they had a number of maps which gave basically self-guided tours okay. of... Um, certain areas and, and, you know, public buildings, houses. And that's, I know their building's quite striking as well. And that's a beautiful yeah. Sydney school building. So, right. yeah. yeah. So, you know, there's there's good resources out there mm. um, and they're reasonably easy to, to find. Martin Miles, I think we're out of time. Thanks so much for speaking to us on Subject ACT. My pleasure. That's all we have time for today on Subject ACT. Find this and other episodes in podcast form on our SoundCloud page or follow us on Facebook. Stay tuned for more on 2XX98.3 FM and have a great morning.